This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Dental Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by two different leaders in the dental services area, the dental support area. We've got Andrew Smith. Andrew is the executive director of the Association for Dental Support Organizations, uh, which is one one of the great associations in the DSO area and just spends all of his time focusing on issues that count to DSOs. Uh, second, we've got Barton Walker, and Bart is a partner at McGuire Woods who leads up a lot of the dental practice transactions and practice consolidation efforts. He also chairs the healthcare and life sciences department at McGuire Woods, and McGuire Woods is a uh, you know a huge national, international law firm. Uh, Andrew and Bart, I'm going to ask you to each introduce yourself and hope we do a better job than I did. Andrew, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us about the ADSO? Sure. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be on with you and uh, and on with Bart as well. Um, as you mentioned, I am the executive director of ADSO, which is the Association of Dental Support Organizations. And ADSO, it provides uh, our members who are dental support um, organizations. We help them with government affairs, communications, and other support to our members, such as networking opportunities, you know, resource libraries where they can grow their businesses, also access to the various data uh, in the industry and also advocacy that we that we provide for our member companies. We've got about 85. We continue to grow, um, and it's a we it's been around for probably 20 plus years. Started as a more informal educational point of view, and now we're in a full fledged uh, industry association. Well, well, fantastic. And Bart, can you take a moment? The answers the ADSO has a, has a bird's eye view of what's going on in sort of consolidation, organization, and so forth. Mark, your perspective and, and your introduction. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Scott, and thanks for having me on. Um, I spend most of my time neck deep in healthcare services, M&A, uh, represent all manner of healthcare providers from dentists to physicians to hospitals to PE funds and lenders who are investing in them, and about 90% of my practice is M&A. Fantastic. And, and Andrew, why don't you start with what is M&A, Bart mentioned M&A, what is going on with consolidation in the dental services area? It seems like some time ago, uh, you know, there was just an incredible amount of consolidation going on. Right. Lots of big DSOs. What's the current temperature? What are you seeing in the DSO area? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, you know, I think what's really intriguing is that DSOs are in growth mode. And, you know, dentistry remains one of the fastest growing industries in healthcare. We see this time and time again that the pie in the oral healthcare marketplace continues to get um, bigger. And interestingly, you know, DSOs probably will triple in size over the next, um, you know, 10, 10 to 15 years. And we are seeing a ton of consolidation coming out of uh, COVID-19. A lot of our member companies, like I said, are growing either through affiliation or acquisition, but also are growing through a de novo process. And I think it's continuing to get bigger and, and better, and it really showcases where oral healthcare is is growing. And and, and, and Barton, what are you seeing? Is has there been any slowdown in consolidation, or are you just seeing the constant development of both DSO transactions and and the growth of new DSOs? What, what's the, what's the temperature out there? Yeah, all of the above. It's really accelerating. It's continued to accelerate. Um, it's been going like gangbusters for a number of years now, and the deals just keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, now what we're seeing is PE to PE deals, so more secondary sales. You saw you know, Smile Doctors that was that's owned by Linden, just took an investment from Thomas H. Lee, Blue Sea sold DECA to Blackstone, Sheridan sold Canadian Orthodontic Partners to Pamlico. So you're seeing 
a lot of peer-to-peer transactions that we hadn't seen in the past now that we've got some DSOs with real scale out there. And, and uh, will that continue? And well, how many is it? And Andrew mentioned something fascinating, that it's not just dentistry, it's orthotics, it's oral surgery, it's, it's, it's Invisalign-type stuff, excuse me, not, not the brand, but Invisalign-type stuff. Here, it's pediatrics. What, are there specific hot areas of growth in terms of consolidation, or is it just really an expanding pie? Because there's so many dentists, and there's so many 200,000 dentists in the country, whatever the number is currently, and, and just lots of different opportunity. What's, what's the sense of that? From my perspective, it's it's still super fragmented. So there's a lot of just across the board consolidation happening, but increasingly, I think that some of these DSOs are trying to experiment with new business models and try to distinguish themselves from other DSOs. They're experimenting with new models. They're going into different specialties like oral surgery, like orthodontia, like perio, and either doing a focus play on that or really trying to construct a more holistic multi-specialty approach that's aimed at a specific target population, like we've seen that with Medicaid, we've seen that with managed care. Um, and so those those are some interesting kind of new trends we're seeing more and more of lately. And Andrew, we've talked some about consolidation, the future consolidation. You've also spent, you've also mentioned this concept of it really being an expanding pie, which I think is really well stated. Are there specific trends you're following with DSOs? It, what what are the trends you're watching and following? What what's of top of mind for you? Yeah, um, I think there there are a few you know really key trends that that we've been seeing. You know, Bart mentioned it. A lot of specialty DSOs, you know, endo, perio, uh, oral surgery. We've got quite a few new members coming in that space, um, and I think that's a very you know um, continuing trend. Specifically, one thing I've seen is the continued integration of health and dental. I think everybody is starting to recognize the mouth-body connection, that you know what happens in the mouth also really affects the rest of your healthcare. And you're seeing a lot of these DSOs because of their size and ability to scale, really looking at the patient holistically. So, you know, we're utilizing things um, in technology, you know, specifically AI, CDCT technology, 3D printing, we're integrating medical charts, a whole host of things. The DSOs are very innovative and very entrepreneurial. And so those are things that I really continue to see. And then also there's a huge aspect on social media, not just from, you know, how do these DSOs continue to have their owner supported dentists grow the practices, but also educating patients specifically about all the benefits of oral health care. And you touched on it, you know, the trends around uh, Invisalign or Smile Direct or those aspects, greater access to care is a really huge aspect here. And it's giving more uh, focus to the patient and more opportunities for the clinician to offer those those aspects. So I, I think it's, again, it's just an upward trend of, of greater access and, and greater education. Thank you. And, and Bart, Andrew mentioned sort of an expansion of the pie, some of the issues he's watching. I mean, there's been a ton of consolidation. I, I hear practice talking about transitioning practices, becoming more institutional practice, trying to make sure they're getting economies of scale across locations, adding locations, managing debt, obviously managing starts and stops through COVID-19. What are the big issues that you're hearing about? What Are those the issues? Are there other issues? What are the main issues you're hearing about from DSOs? Sure. Well, on the legal side, we spend an awful lot of our time thinking about new and creative uh, compensation strategies, equity strategies, ways to align economic interests amongst the DSO and the providers and the, and the staff 
So we spend an awful lot of time thinking about that. Those can be tricky to do in a compliant way. And so we spend an awful lot of time thinking about those. Um, on the operational side, uh, what we hear from our clients is there, there's a constant struggle for recruiting new talent, uh, retaining staff. Those types of operational issues are just uh, ever present. Those never really go away. And especially through COVID, one of the things that they've tried to emphasize, as Andrew mentioned earlier, is this kind of mouth-body connection and looking at health more, more holistically from an oral health perspective. Uh, so that's been an interesting thing to, to see evolve over the last, you know, 12, 18 months. And just to chime in okay. there, um, I think, John, the interesting point about recruitment and retention, Bart hit the nail on the head. Just like any other industry, I think dental has seen a, a, ver a fairly large squeeze on its workforce. Um, and, you know, I think the DSOs offer a great model that is designed to really improve the work-life balance and, you know, increase ability to get to innovative technologies and pro provide enhanced professional continuing education. So as kind of dental felt that squeeze, I feel like DSOs are helping to step in to fill that void, but it's still, as Bart mentioned, is a problem. Um, and I think that's one area that we're really advocating for is how do we continue increasing our workforce uh, talent pool, just not out of dental schools, but also just those in the marketplace now. And, and what are some of the, because one of the things, at least in, in traditional healthcare, you know, doctor residency programs are too long. That's one of the things that takes the, that people talk about as being one of the blame spots for why we have such a shortage of doctors and not enough residency spots and so forth. In the dental area with DSOs and growth, there's always been this great mix of immigration that has helped to solve problems and helped, thank goodness, take care of our dental needs in our country, plus make sure there's enough dental spots here. How do you increase the pool of dentists in our country so that as the nation grows, we're in 30 million people plus and aging, there are enough dentists, there are enough hygienists, there are enough support people and so forth. How do you, how do you attack that? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I mean, one of the greatest issues facing the dental industry right now is the cost of dental school and education. Um, you know, I think it's, it's a very expensive, as we know, dentistry is expensive uh, and school in general is expensive. And again, I think that's where the DSOs can fill in that model. We've seen a lot of dental students coming out of school who have, you know, significant debt. Um, and, you know, there's always an option to be in a solo practice, but in many instances, uh, quite a few folks want to focus on just being the dentist and not being the business side. And the DSO offers that model for them. You know, some of the DSOs, in fact, are offering certain um, financing uh, of their student debt, you know, as a retention program and things like that. But again, I think we got to really get that under control. But also, it's continuing uh, to really promote dentistry as an essential healthcare service. I, I'll just give a quick aside. You know, prior to working in the DSO space, I worked for a cannabis company, and when COVID hit, I successfully lobbied state governments to label cannabis as an essential healthcare service, and we stayed open. Ninety percent of dental was shut down. So again, I think it's continuing to educate not just the public, but policymakers about the importance of the mouth-body connection and making sure that dental is seen as an essential healthcare service. It, it's a fascinating discussion, and there's got to be some joke there about the transition between cannabis and dental, but, but I can't quite come <laughs> up with it on the spot, Andrew. But, but I will ask this question. One of the things I, I think is fascinating, more and more big, big health systems have started their own nursing schools or their, no, or their own uh, medical schools, in, in part to make sure that their state, their area, their region 
has the pipeline they need. Similarly, you know, I recently saw an advertisement by United Airlines. United Airlines has started their own aviation school, and they're toting that they're the only major air, the only airline that's got an aviation school. And of course, it's aimed at making sure they improve their pipeline and workforce. Is there a point in time where one of these DSOs will become so big that it, that it really looks to become a partner or develop a, a, a dental school, or that's too early for that type of discussion in the, in the dental consolidation world? You know, I, I think it, it, knowing the DSOs and how innovative and entrepreneurial they are, it would not surprise me in the slightest. I think, you know, when we, when we just talked about costs, uh, you know, how our ability to scale, I definitely think it's on the horizon. The great aspect is many of our DSOs have wonderful relationships with many dental schools across the country and support them and, and really are engaged um, with them. And that's a focus of ADSO is really how do we continue to promote uh, the model. And I think as that con conversation continues and DSOs continue to grow, you're just going to naturally see that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, our continued, um, you know, we're, we're talking to dental schools specifically about, you know, what is a DSO and all, you know, because as you know, the, the curriculum has been one way for a long time. And now we've reached a certain era where it's a little more modern, a little different. And so you're just going to continually see that. And I think it's a wonderful concept. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of our guys eventually run with that idea. It, 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 Andrew, I'm not sure if you've got the number on this, but it like, for example, in, in healthcare, Eight, now more than 50, 60% of graduates that come out of healthcare go to work for health systems as opposed to for what were traditionally private practices. And I know the DSO yeah. model is sort of a mix of private practices versus DSOs and, and trying to get that right balance between the two. Is there yet stats on the percentage of dental students that come out that go to work for DSOs versus tr traditional mom and pop practices? Yeah, so I don't have the exact numbers and it's actually wonderful timing and you must have been on our executive committee call today because we were talking about that exact issue with my uh, you know top top DSO members of, of making sure that we are getting into those aspects of what how many new dental students are going into DSOs versus solo practice um, I just don't have that data yet we are undergoing a, a fairly large data process right now that's been one of the things I've been tasked with over the last year so as soon as we get that one of the things I'm really interested in doing is putting out a ADSO report on the industry. And that would obviously be one of those core focuses uh, on it. Thank you very, very much. And Bart, final question for you is, aside from the comp-related issues, are the legislative and regulatory issues still very much state-by-state -state issues? Are they national issues? And what are the big leg legislative and regulatory issues that you're watching? Yeah, they're still very much state by state, but um, you know, applaud the ADSO in really leading the forefront of this is nationalizing some of these issues, bringing attention to them, and in a more organized way, making sure these issues are front and center on, on lawmakers' agendas such that they're approaching it in a more consistent fashion. I, I, I like to think that it's a lot less piecemeal than it once was, which I think is a good thing for anybody who's trying to do business across borders. Um, the things that I keep an eye on are things like enforcement, uh, so fraud and abuse enforcement. Uh, there's been some, in, uh, some increasing scrutiny on advertising and marketing practices, kind of promotion of services along with insurance products or discount plans. Those, those are all pretty hot topics out there, either on the legislative or the enforcement side. Um, so they're just kind of my top two or three things that, that I'm focused on right now. Thank you. And Andrew, one more question for you. What percentage of dental care is provided to dental services plans 
versus traditional fee for service. Like I go to the dentist and I pay. Do you have a sense of that? Of what how the breakdown is? Yeah, well, historically it was much more just fee for service. Now we very much have moved in, and and I again, this is part of our data collection process as we continue to expand the organization. There are many of our providers that are involved in the you know Medicaid space, for example, um, and quite a few that are now taking insurance. And and that's actually just your previous question. One of the things we're very focused on at the state level, and actually working with the ADA on, on quite a bit, is how do we work together in greater partnership with the payers uh, around you know issues and you know fee schedules, reimbursement rates. Uh, more and more of the DSOs obviously are taking that as well as our solo practices. And I would say, you know, what's exciting about ADSO is for several years we were fighting to just make sure that the model was protected. You know, now we know the model is here. We've done a very good job of making sure that a lot of some of the arcane practices around dentistry have been pushed to the side. And now we're really on the forefront working with various partners like the ADA on promoting the industry, particularly around insurance. So to your point, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but more and more dental is moving into insurance and in many instances is taking um, aspects like Medicaid. And I think you're going to see that trend. And I think it's a great trend because it's access to care. We want to promote promote it with the payers. And I'm starting to see some movement with the payers who are also really interested in how do you provide better dental insurance. But but your point is so well taken that if you went back just five to 10 years ago, a lot of the litigation or regulation was existential to the corporate practice of dentistry, that, that a DSO might have their ability to do business in a certain state knocked out entirely. And you saw some of that but your point is largely we've moved past that, that the whole different set of issues and that the, the core question of can DSOs exist is, is asked and answered, they can, and it moves to how do they do business and what are the big issues? Andrew 100%. and Bart, like, I want to thank both of you for joining us on the Becker's Dental Podcast. What a pleasure to visit with you both. Just terrific. Thank you very much and love to have you back. Absolutely. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate it.